0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Uh, so how did you get started uh, covering boxing?
1: How did I get started? Um, well, my grandfather was uh, a pro fighter way back in the uh, late 1920s and early 1930s. And then uh, he raised my father on the sport. And my father raised me on the sport.
0: Uh, so do you have uh, some experience boxing as well?
1: Uh, <laughs> very little. I always joke that I'm a much better writer than a fighter. Um, I, uh, I dabbled in the amateur ranks, wasn't very good at it. So I just stuck with writing.
0: I see. Uh, I want to ask you about uh, some fights coming up.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh,
0: uh, how bad uh, do you think is uh, Daniel Dubois? He's fighting coming up mm-hmm. against uh, Kairoto F- Fujimoto. He's a heavyweight fighter from the UK. Yeah. He's he's got a lot of potential, it's still a young kid. I want to get your thoughts on him?
1: Yeah, I like Danny Dubois a lot. He really showed me something in his last fight against uh Nathan Gorman. Uh you know, it, it it was one of those fights where guys when they're stepping up, they, sometimes they kind of play it safe. You know, they just want to get the win, maybe not necessarily take a risk. But I mean, he went all in in that fight and he just, you know, he, he took out a very accomplished uh prospect in Nathan Gorman. I was very impressed with that. I've been impressed with DuBois uh development all through the pro ranks but especially in that fight i think he's he's on the verge of being a top 10 contender
0: definitely in the heavyweight division there's some movement going on especially uh what did uh moving on uh, what do you think of anthony joshua's performance
1: against anthony uh andy ruiz jr in the rematch um i was as impressed with the adjustments that anthony joshua made as i was disappointed with the version of andy ruiz who showed up um, but you got to give credit to aj he He made all the necessary changes he needed to in order to get his titles back. He showed up in phenomenal uh, shape. He's a terrific ambassador for the sport. And um, I I thought, you know, I I can't say enough of his performance. He wanted it to be more exciting, but that's not his job. His job was to to go in there, win every round, and, and get his titles back. And that's precisely what he did. You got to give him full credit for that.
0: Yeah, it was interesting in the post-fight interview, Andy Ruiz Jr. was saying he wasn't in the best shape and uh, perhaps making some excuses. But uh, even during their fight, despite that, uh, whenever Andy Ruiz Jr. got inside of Anthony Joshua, it seemed his face lit up and he had a little flashback to their first fight. He's still uh, definitely more wary of the power of Ruiz Jr. And uh, I just didn't think Ruiz Jr. carried the same speed that he did in their first fight, the same hand speed or the same uh, movement with his feet to get in and out of uh, range of Anthony Joshua. And he he just didn't have that same uh, dynamic movement in their second fight.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree completely. You know, uh, it was funny. Uh, I've said this on other shows as well as like we were so scared to say that you know what we were seeing before the fight was actually the case, but like we didn't know if it was mind games, if he was really training, and he was just putting out fake videos. Even when he showed up at the weigh in, he showed up fully dressed. It's like all right, well, is he really that heavy? And then you know when the dude got in the ring, he was just he, <laughs> he looked as bad as all all the buildup uh, appeared to be. So it's just a shame he just didn't give himself the very best chance to win. Right. So uh, you know you can't take that away from Anthony Joshua. You know J- Joshua, like I said, Joshua did his job. Andy Ruiz didn't. Um, and th- that is the one takeaway though from Joshua's performance. People still feel like you know his chin can be tested, and um, it, I think it was kind of be to be expected of Joshua in his first fight back. You know he's not going to go out there stick his chin in the air and say okay, well, I I could take your best punch this you know this time around. That that's not his job. So. Um, it didn't give anyone the belief that he's going to beat a Deontay Wilder or a, or a Tyson Fury, but you know, maybe that's what Joshua needs in order to, to finally get those fights. So I, you know, the only way we're going to find out is if he fights those guys. I'm not sure anyone else in the heavyweight division is going to take him out. It's not going to be like you tap him on the chin once and, it, and it's over. So right now, I mean, Joshua is no worse than the third, heavyweight, third best heavyweight in the world.
0: Um, it's possible that Anthony Joshua could fight Alexander Usyk coming up? Mm-hmm. How do you like that fight because Usyk is an absolute excellent boxer and moved yes. up perhaps argue, arguably the best cruiserweight of all time with what he did in that division before moving up to heavyweight.
1: Yeah, I mean it's a two horse race between Usyk and again only kill for best cruiserweight of all time. That's um uh without question. I do want to see more of Usyk at heavyweight and I think it would actually be to his advantage to let Joshua fight Kurat Pulat next. I, I I think most people believe it's it's a much easier fight for Joshua. I'm not going to say he's going to blow through uh, Pula, but he, you know it's a fight he should win without much trouble. Um, with Usyk on, on paper, yet yeah, it seems like he could outbox most heavyweights, and that is probably why he moved up because he still could make cruiserweight. I, I still want to see more of him than just you know fighting a last-minute you know replacement like Chaz Witherspoon. Um, the, Eddie keeps saying that he would like to see him fight Derek Chisora next. I, I think that'd be a very fair test. You know, I'm not going to say that's a, a fight where anyone should have to, you know, get through Chisora in order to get a title fight. But it, it's it's a much better way for um, Usyk to test the heavyweight orders. He was supposed to fight uh, Carlos Takamba 1.2. I think that would have been a much better test. Those are the type of fights I really want to see Usyk before I commit the saying he's going to outbox Joshua, Fury, uh, Deontay Wilder. Um, to me, the jury's still out on what he can do at heavyweight.
0: Yeah, he definitely needs some tune-up fights before he takes on those uh, top yeah. heavyweights in the division. And, 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 maybe, and it could just take team, on yeah. a, a Dillian White or maybe <laughs> even Andy Ruiz Jr. see how that goes.
1: That's, I mean, that, that's a massive risk, and you, you'd have to give Usyk all the credit in the world if he took a fight like that. Like I said, I, I'm willing to settle for a mid-level contender like a Chisora mm-hmm. or, um, or or a Takama. If he were to fight Dillian White, I mean, that's yeah, that, that that's balls to steal right there, which Usyk does have, not, you know, and he probably would want that fight. But... um. Right. Like I said, I, I think I don't see the need for him to rush to a title. It's like let him fight, um, let Joshua fight Pulev. Usyk could take whatever fight he wants. If it has to be for an instant title, then you know maybe Eddie can make that happen. And then knowing that Usyk will get you know the winner of Joshua Pulev next, I, I think that's a, uh, in my opinion, that that'd be the best course of action for Alexander Usyk.
0: Um, how do you see the rematch going between uh, Tyson Fury and Deontay Wilder?
1: Uh it, I, I'm a little surprised by the split between Fury and Ben Davison. Um, I felt a little better about Fury's ch- chances than I did um, up until you know he made that announcement that those two parted ways. Um, I, I felt bad because I thought Ben Davison was a fantastic fit, not just for his career but for his life. He was that calming presence that that Tyson. You know, Tyson is just always so mm. you know he's just combustible energy, and you well, know,
0: didn't, didn't Davison really help bring him back after yeah. you know he got obese and absolutely. Those-
1: yeah, that's some st- yeah. It wasn't so just you know he, he what he brought, did in the he ring, brought
0: right? It back to you know this point, so. yeah, he brought him it back to
1: life. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but you know, we don't know what happened behind closed doors. You don't know if Ben just got uh, tired of of whatever Fury was doing, you know, outside the ring, or if, you know, Fury just felt like he needed to change his career. so... Right, uh, you know, just, I, I guess we have got to respect it, but it, it's it's an interesting move. I think Javon, you know, Sugar Hill Stewart maybe brings that same level of calmness that Tyson could feel uh, comfortable with. He's also going to have Andy Lee, you know, uh, cousin of his, the the great former middleweight champion. So uh it's it's I, I think it's still a 50 50 fight i'm trying not to read too much into it I, I think it's still thing in play the same things are still in play that was the case in the first fight you know Fury could outbox Fury, uh, Wilder uh for 12 rounds or Wilder could just land that one right-handed end all
0: right uh, what was what were your thoughts on jamal charles uh, performance against uh, dennis hogan
1: um, it was the type of explosive performance he needed. We knew he was going to win. We did not want to see a repeat of what he did with Brian, uh, Brandon Adams, and he, he delivered that. He had a guy that was willing to fight, and, and he took full advantage of it. Um, I, I'm not going to say it makes him you know, one of the top middleweights in the world, because like I said, he was a runaway favorite to win the fight. But it was an entertaining performance, and the type of performance he needed to you know, tell the other middleweights, okay, you need to come check me out.
0: How do you see his brother doing in the rematch against Tony
1: Harrison? Um, not quite the same scenario as um, as Wilder Fury, but kind of the same logic where I, if it goes 12, you know, Jared Hurd brought up a very good quote, I thought, yesterday. He said that if it goes 12 rounds, Tony Harrison's is absolutely going to win a decision again. Wow. um Jamel charlo needs to knock him out and Jamel Charlo has that chip on his shoulder i think he, he doesn't want to leave it in the hands of the judges i don't see why he would want to trust the judges again especially you know he's convinced that he won that first fight a lot of people thought he won the first fight i, I thought the decision was fair it was the type of fight where i expected a 115 113 decision either way um i, I, I think tony's going to come more confident this time though too because i think the first fight tony made a deliberate effort to box more because Tony was always an explosive puncher. You know, his two losses just because he got tired and he got caught. So this time around, I think he's going to come in with a lot more confidence. He's going to hit Jamel a lot harder. I, I, I like Tony to repeat.
0: Interesting. Uh- I don't know. We'll see what happens with yeah.
1: this, with Charles Pryor then if he loses to Harrison again. That, that would be something. I you know, and their press conference is going on as we speak. I have not poll, but I'm going to check it out mm. afterwards. But um, I I just love the fact that these two just absolutely despise each other. It's like there's no fake animosity. They just don't want to be around each other. They won't shake each other's hands. It just it's just I think it's been a fantastic build up, and it's a great way to to end the year for Fox.
0: Uh, what, what were your thoughts
1: on uh, Terrence Crawford's performance? Uh, I, you know, kind of similar to what we were saying about Jamal Charlotte. He kind of needed that, you know, uh, he was a little bit more vulnerable, which he needs that because he's, you know, one of the best fighters in the world. He's among the best welterweights in the world. He's just having a hard time getting the relevant fights. So maybe, you know, this will be the one where welterweights look hands and say, okay, I see something in him that I can exploit. You know, I don't have to, you know, avoid him just because he has a WBO belt that I don't believe in. Um, I, I want to see Top Rank and ESPN do more to to get behind him. And you know, and Terence kind of needs to force that. He needs to tell Bob, you know, look, I'm one of the best fighters in the world. I need to be one of the best promoted fighters in the world as well. So, I thought Saturday's performance, you know, went towards that. It was he's always I, I love watching Terence Crawford fight. The issue was that all of his performances were so always so one sided. I mean, he would either destroy you and knock you out, or just go twelve rounds and just humiliate you. Um, in, in this fight, you know, Cavallazzi uh, got to him a little bit. Though, you know, we'd like to see, you know, they got rocked. You know, how he handled adversity, and he handled it well. He just has such an amazing chip on his shoulder. The moment he got hurt, he, just, you know, the the switch flipped, and and he just turned it on. So, it, it was a very good performance. I just want to see more on the promotional side. That's not necessarily his fault, but he needs to push top rank to, to make sure he's a superstar in twenty twenty.
0: Yeah, he did. He did get caught there. And he he reacted well, and then in that round where he did get the the stoppage, it was. Yeah one of the best rounds of boxing I've ever seen, because he he just wasn't getting hit. Yeah. Just moving in and out beautifully, and just uh, found his timing, and uh, a great display that he put on there.
1: Yeah, I mean, he showed Um, like he's one of the best fighters in the world, especially the way he finished.
0: Yeah, we'll see if they can get anything done with the PBC, with any of their welterweights, Right, maybe take on a Keith Thurman, it's interesting.
1: Mini yeah, Pacquiao, that'd be a huge fight. So. <laughs> well, and, and that'd be a nice closure too, because that was the one fight Crawford wanted when he was, uh, you know, when he became the big superstar in, uh, in his hometown. That he was pushing for top rank to make that fight, and he ended up fighting Tim Bradley that third time, and that seemed to close the chapter on him of getting to fight Manny Pacquiao. So, I, I'd love to see a return to that. A whole, whole Manny Pacquiao does come around. You know, he wins his next fight, and then looks the turns Crawford for the end of 2020. That'd be fantastic.
0: And then what were your thoughts on Teofimo Lopez's performance and how he would fare in a possible fight against Lomachenko?
1: I, I, you know, I was in the camp where I thought maybe he was biting off a little too much, you know, a little more than he could chew this early in his career, and, you know, he, he just he, he served me humble pie in a big way. I, you, you can't say enough. I, mean, <laughs> I know. Right? An, an emphatic secretary. He did, it was almost a virtual repeat of what he did a year ago on Heisman Night. You know, that one, it was just so much more explosive, but it was against the guy you kind of expect him to knock out. Maybe not that early. This one, this was a legit fifty-fifty fight, yeah, as many caught. people thought, as the, the main event was going to be a blowout. This is the fight we were looking forward to, and he he couldn't pick a and better the, stage. The,
0: the co-main event was uh, less close
1: than the main event. Yeah, you know, go figure that one out. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's all the crap I mean, he he showed that he's probably the second best lightweight in the world right now, right behind Vasily Lomachenko, and that's. Yeah, you and want to build anticipation. He has too. that
0: freaky power for that division
1: too. He he does, yeah. And I'm sure Lomachenko is paying close attention. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he has that confidence where you know he could beat anyone.
0: He, that, he, the fight against Luke Campbell, he was a you know challenge uh, he, Campbell was a taller fighter.
1: But. Yeah, he was. I, I, and I think too that you know Lomachenko, he he's like Terence Crawford. He's among the best in the world, but he's also in a division where he's kind of maxed out as far as like I don't see him going up to 140. And now he's going to be facing a natural lightweight, Teofimo Lopez. Lopez probably won't even be at 135 for more than a year, so it's you know there's some disadvantages Romanenko is going to have going into that fight in April. That's you can't ask for a better matchup for an undisputed lightweight championship and a better performance from Teofimo Lopez to build anticipation for it.
0: Right. Um. Well uh what do you think about the matchup between uh, Daniel Jacobs
1: and Julio Sh- Chavez? <sighs> oh my goodness. <laughs> I don't know how much of the drama you've been following but um you know just right up to today when you know we found out Chavez couldn't make weight so they had to renegotiate uh-huh. for a 173 pound catch weight um <laughs> it's yeah, it's just always something with chavez and, and i've always liked him too it's actually like i'm the last you know surviving member of that bandwagon but at some point you just got to give up um daniel jacobs though he he looked phenomenal at least at the weigh-in he's saying all the right things he he said this can't you know those eight extra pounds are really you know serving him well he's not having to kill himself to to make 160 um so, you know, it's interesting to see, you know, everything he was able to do at middleweight, how he's able to bring that up one full division. Um, he's facing a much bigger Chavez. Chavez was, I think, almost five pounds heavier at the weigh in today. He's probably going to be about 190, 195 tomorrow night. So, J- Jacobs is going to have, you know, at middleweight, Jacobs was kind of used. He was the one that always replenished heavy. Mm-hmm. So, he was a little bit of the bully, you know, against most of the guys he was able to face. So, that, that's not going to be the case tomorrow. But I, I think he's too skilled for, for Julio Cesar Chavez. So, it. He has the right opponent. Where I think he will he will shine tomorrow night. And, and Jacobs is another guy too. For whatever reason, he hasn't translated into the type of star. You know, he hasn't resonated with boxing fans for whatever reason. He has great stories. Such a nice guy, very down to earth, and he's always fun to watch. I, I don't get why he's not a bigger star than he is. But you know, for that reason, I'm glad he's getting a you know in a name like Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. So hopefully, this will be a a, a nice breakout out for him.
0: Well, uh, for Jacobs, I think he's done all he could in his career. He fought the top guys in this division, yep. lost uh, some close decisions, showed, showed himself well, and, you know, he's moving up, take on a, a big name kind of towards the end of his career and maybe retire Chavez Jr. if he can get an uh, explosive knockout.
1: Yeah, I, I I expect that to be the case. I don't know if it's going to retire Chavez, but you, you'd like to think this is the last time we're going to see him in a in a big – You know, I don't want to say super fight, but you know, a a fight of this magnitude, right? Who who
0: do you want to see a Canelo
1: fight next? Um, there's a lot of rumors that it's going to be Billy Joe Saunders, and it's not the sexiest matchup, but I love it. To me, it kind of reminds me of when Canelo went out there and fought Arizona Lee Lara. You know, Lara was that one junior middleweight that nobody wanted to face, and and Canelo, a very young Canelo, who's only two fights removed from. The loss to Floyd Mayweather went out and, and took on that style and, and defeated him. So for that reason, I, I'm very interested to see uh, what he could do against a Billy Joe Saunders. Um, because the other option would be Demetrius Andrade. So at some point, he's going to have to find, you know, a, a face that like style that's you know maybe not going to be complimentary to, you know, to, to uh, you know, Crowley's in action. So um, I, I, I like it. You know, plus it's a challenge for Canelo to fight at 168. We didn't see it against Rocky Fielding. He knew he was picking up a cheap belt in that fight. Um, this is going to be a real challenge if he fights someone like Billy Joe Saunders. I don't. Yeah. Um, I, I'm one of the few. I don't care if he fights Gennady Golovkin ever again. If they fight a third time, I'm going to watch it. And, you know, it'll be a great fight. But you know, I, I think my life will get along just fine if they don't ever fight again. Right.
0: Yeah, um, in Billy Joe Saunders' last fight, he he was kind of struggling, and then just. Uh, yeah. Unexpectedly, because he's not really a, known as a knockout puncher, got the got the finish there, and yeah and you know maybe put it put his name back into that uh, Canelo, you know possible opponent.
1: Yeah, that was um, it, it was so weird. That fight was just like the opposite of like what we've always expected of Billy Joe. Usually, he's able to outbox his guys. He gets you know lethargic at times. He gets a little bored with the opposition. Um, you're not used to seeing him get out fought in a fight. You know, that one he did. And like I said, he had a rally from behind in order to score, you know, the, the, that knockout that nobody expected. Um, you know, by his own admission, he, he thought it was one of his worst performances. Um, I, I do mm-hmm. appreciate that he is. I, I think he has a very inflated sense of what his uh, place is. Mm-hmm. But he's also a realist. You know, when he has a bad performance, he's usually the first one to say, I stunk out the joint. I don't deserve, you know, I, I don't deserve any credit for that performance. So, you know, I give him credit for that. But, um, all, you know, if I'm reading the tea leaves right, it does seem like he, he's moving towards a fight with Canelo. So, you know, again, if that's the type of fight that him, helps him land that fight, you know, then, then more power to him. I, I think he's going to be able to figure out, you know, what to do against Canelo. He certainly won't be bored and he definitely won't underestimate him. And, uh, who do you want to see Golovkin fight next? Um, well, he's supposed to fight uh, Camilo Saramata, the, the undefeated uh, I think he's the mandatory contender. He's one of the top contenders uh for his title from uh Poland. So that's probably who we both fight next. So I'm not gonna, you know, speculate on who I want to see him fight. But um if he's not gonna fight Canelo, you know, fight another top middleweight or move up to, to 168. I mean there's plenty of guys over at the zone that, that he can fight. Um I, I wanna see him start fighting these top guys that um, you know, not just wait around for the, the third fight with Canelo. He says he's done with Canelo, so now it's time to show it. Uh. <laughs>
0: Who's uh, your fighter of the year for
1: uh, 2019? Canelo, hands down. Um, you know, beating Danny Jacobs, you know, it was a, a competitive, a clear decision for him. You know, it wasn't the most thrilling fight, but he got the job done, you know, to, against, you know, besides Golovkin, the, the second best middleweight in the world. And, um, you know, to unify three titles and to move up two divisions. And however close you had the fight, even if you had Koblev losing, just the way he ended that fight against, you know, Koblev is probably a top 15 light heavyweight in, in history. And, you know, he, he went out there and, and knocked them out the way he did. That's just, yeah, nobody else had two better wins this year than, than Canelo did. And
0: who's your fighter to watch for in 2020?
1: Man, that's a that really loaded question. Um, you know, I, I love the fact uh, we have so many good prospects coming up. And, you know, the, you, we mentioned Taylor Hummel Lopez, you know, with that explosive performance. Um, you know, he's, especially if he could beat Vasily Lomachenko, he's, he's a superstar in the making. Um, you want to see how Devin Haney is going to come back from from the shoulder surgery? Uh, so many young guys on PVC, some of their prospects. Uh, Chris Colbert, you know, he he does all the right things in the ring. Ryan
0: Garcia.
1: Ryan Garcia. the um, You know, it's funny. He keeps proving me wrong. I didn't think he was going to blow out Romero. No, that, that
0: was pretty ridiculous. Man.
1: Yeah, but he, he's something even with that performance, all I'm not going to say. Okay, well, he's ready for Devin Haney next. He he believes he is, and you know, mm-hmm. he's training alongside well, him So maybe he's he getting the, the same age.
0: Right? They are. They're yes, two,
1: they are two great prospects. So. Yeah, so yeah. he's um, I, I think he's going to have one more year of seasoning. But yeah, Ryan Garcia, you know, he's very popular too. He, he's the guy you want to see uh, blow up. But yeah, the guys like you know Devin Haney, Jaron uh, Boot, Jaron Boots Ennis is another guy. I think he's he's poised for a big year. You know, he got a uh, lot of Shakir Sh-
0: Stevenson.
1: Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're coming up with all these young guys. <laughs> who Sh- who you say is your was your prospect of the year? I, I would give it to Virgil Ortiz. Um, Chris Colbert, you know, very, made a very good uh case for himself but yeah, Vir- Virgil Ortiz just you know four wins all by knockout and you know against elevated competition right. um you know Antonio Rosco, you know the way he knocked him out that was I thought that was a very good performance you know even he, going the deepest he has in his career all six rounds and then you know Brad Solomon is the type of guy that can stink out a joint you know if when he wants to you know and at his best can outbox you and, and Virgil just handled him that was um I, I thought that was a fantastic way for him to end the year so you know, to go 4-0 with four knockouts, It's that's, you know, <laughs> a pretty impressive performance for, you know, a, a kid as young as Virgil Ortiz. All right.
0: Mm-hmm. Who, who do you like in the light heavyweight division?
1: Uh, in general, or? Bit, I guess at the top between uh, Bivol and I, I Yeah, Baturbiot be is, uh, well, he's supposed to be fighting uh, Fanlong Meng. Fanlong Meng, excuse me. Um, that's going to be his first fight in 2020. But, you know, the way he, he finished off uh, Bosnick, that you know, I, I think he emphatically showed that he is the best light heavyweight in the world. He's light heavyweight to beat right now. Um, right. Used to, yeah, he hasn't had the same emphatic performances recently. Well, not only that, it just he seems to you know keep teasing that he's going to go down to 168. I don't know if he says it just that he can make 168 because he wants to fight Canelo. It's like he doesn't seem to know what he wants, you know, moving forward. He just wants a big fight,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but so it, it's well, that would
0: be a big fight between them
1: yeah and again you know a classic boxer versus puncher style too and it's a type of fight you know Bevel hasn't really looked that exciting in a lot of performances lately too so um right. better be able to definitely drag it out of him um, yeah, you know Canelo yeah. probably is done at white, uh, 175 so that's he, you know. he's,
0: he doesn't want to mess with those guys at this point
1: and, and you don't blame him he's earned that right so.
0: Right, yeah. <laughs> he can pick and choose at this
1: point absolutely
0: um, who, who, who's your best uh, 140 pound pounder in the world uh, between i guess you could say josh taylor and then
1: jose ramirez right now i, I have ramirez you know uh slightly you know i've had to rank them one and two I, i'd say ramirez and taylor but you know it, mm-hmm. it's a coin flip if someone wanted all you the other way you know i, I wouldn't be too passionate about it um yeah, It's a fight that has to happen. I think Regis' progress is still very much right there in the mix as well. I, I think he would match up fantastically with Ramirez. I'd love to see him fight a Josh Taylor again. You know, their first fight was terrific. Um, right. I still want to see Maurice. You know, Maurice Huckett, he's kind of in between. He's taking a fight at 144 tomorrow night. So but he, he you, could. He's real Perez. Correct, yes. And he could drop back down to 140. He's with Toneback yeah, now.
0: fight against Ramirez showed, you know, what Ramirez can really do when he, when
1: he gets yeah. his- Absolutely, yeah, for Maris to go into his hometown and, and knock him out the way he did, that was That just, was impressive. Yeah. That, that's what tipped it to me for Maris, to say he's right, the best right. at 140 right now. Yeah,
0: um, and then what are your thoughts on Regis Progress and uh, Chris Hubank Jr.?
1: <laughs> Two very <laughs> different people. I, like I'm a big Progress fan. Um, I mm-hmm. thought Progress was gonna win the World Boxing Super Series, so you know, credit to Josh Taylor for, for beating him the way he did. Um, not too much credit for Taylor for the, his recent troubles. But um, with Progress, I, I think he's poised for big 2020. Um, he, he, he doesn't care anyone. He's going to jump right back in the mix. He's not going to want any easy fights. I, I, I think we'll see a title back around his waist at some point. Um, I, and I say that because knowing, like, even if Ramirez and Josh Taylor fight, you know, the, the belts don't necessarily always stay together the way they should. So I, I think there's a title fight in Progress's future. And I wouldn't count him out, of, like I said, I wouldn't count him out against either of those two guys. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr., um, I, 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 I love the potential fight with Jamal Charlo. Mm,
0: I, I, I no, think I want to see the
1: press, I want to see the press conference more so than the fight. So. It, yeah. It'll be, it'll I be. I think
0: he's got great boxing skills, has a little of flashy tendencies that are fan friendly. So I think once he, uh, you make junior starts fighting in the U S he'll definitely gain more popularity.
1: Yeah. That, and I, I want to see more out of him though. You want to see that career defining win Cause he has the personality, but we haven't seen that performance from him yet. That, um, yeah, that really shows he he belongs among the elite. And you know, I'm not gonna compare him to his father. They're two very different fighters and yeah. Chris Eubank Senior is just a completely type of different personality. But um I, I do want to see Chris Eubank Jr. bust out and, and create his own identity. I don't think we've quite seen that yet in the ranks. So far he's just the son of a former two times. He champion. did
0: he did do well in the World Boxing Super series.
1: Yeah, he did and you know what's weird you know along the progress that first season i thought he was going to win and i even went right. as far as to yeah. say he was going to win and then i would like him to to fight and possibly beat billy Joesons if they would had a rematch and you know damn if he let me down <laughs> but but he is he's um he's out a way too he can go back and forth between 160 and 168 but again it goes back to you know just making sure you pick um he finds his identity in the pro ranks i think he's still missing that
0: how do how big of a star do you think Inui can uh, become after this performance against Donaire? A closer fight than most expected,
1: but one of the fights of the year. The thing I love about Inoue is that um, he has it in his contract too in Japan, where he has to fight a certain level of opposition. So he's not really feeling his mandatory right now. You know, if he has to go through with it, you know, I don't think it's a bad first fight in the net. Well, I guess second fight for him, but first fight with top rank. Um, but I, I love the fact that he wants the unification with Casabero. He wants to prove that he's the best at 118. I mean, he was even talking about, you know, um, the already fighting fight, uh, Emmanuel Navarrete at 122. You know, another uh-huh. young star I want to see break out in, in 2020. You know, okay. he, he was
0: 2019. Um, Navarrete is a very tall fighter for the division.
1: He is, yeah. And I, I don't know if he could stick around at 122 long enough for uh, Inouye to, to come up there and meet him. But um mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, you know it's interesting. It was that that fight showed a lot at uh 2024. I, I think it almost said more about Donaire than, than it said uh, about Enoway. But just for Enoway to fight, you know, through you know, that much um, that much pain, you know, just uh, that it, it, that fight blew me away. So you know, for both of them, it also made you want to see what else you know Donaire can do in, in the rest of his career. But um, yeah, for anyway I'm really excited for the U.S. invasion in 2020. Definitely.
0: <laughs> Um, And then moving on uh, to the fight uh, between Gervonta Davis and uh, Yurokis Gamboa, Mm -hmm. Uh, what do you think Davis needs to do to uh, get the big fights he's looking
1: for? Or the same, just keep knocking people out. Um, You know, the Mayweather Promotions, that's the big tagline, is that he's, you know, the 21st century version of Mike Tyson, so you want to see him do it against better opposition. But what I love the fact he they they they're turning him into a star. I think a lot of people underestimate his appeal. You know when he fought in California earlier this year, the, there was a, a huge demand, especially among you know star, you know uh, legit you know stars that wanted to see the fight. And you know in the house for a late uh, late replacement opponent, and then you know to bring Baltimore you know championship boxing back to Baltimore for the first time. And I think it was the first Baltimore fighter to defend the title in, in more than eighty years. And they really turned out for that event you know, it was a a blowout and it was expected to be a blowout and he still drew 16,000 people into that arena. And now, you know, in his second home in Atlanta, you know, this, I think they're expecting more than 12,000 people for him to fight Gamboa. And a lot of people expect him to blow out Gamboa, but there's just a genuine interest in in seeing what he can do next. So, um, I, like I said, just, just keep staying the course and, you know, it's going to be up to me. you know, kind of, if they're not going to send Davis over to the zone or ESPN, it's going to be up to them to, you know, up the ante and, you know. I guess, overpay or pay beyond fair market value to bring, like, a Tedden Farmer or, um, you yeah. know, even a Devin Haney over to, to it, their what side. What about Gary Russell Jr.? Uh, I, I'm glad he's fighting soon. Um, I really like the fight with um, with with uh, King Tug in February. Uh, very tough assignment for him. So um, uh, You know, the obvious with him, you want to see him fight more than once a year. He hasn't done it since he won the title. Um, he wanted that fight with, with Tank. I don't know why it didn't happen. That's a discussion for him in pvc but he has a very tough fight and he's arguably the best by the weight in the world right now so um it, very tough test though I, I i like the fact that he's that's the way he's starting out is his 2020 and he's starting earlier than usual and he's you know at least leaving the potential for you know more than one fight
0: yeah i definitely want to see him more active He's yeah.
1: one of the most unique fighters there. Is. Yeah. The only question I have with him though is like after um, he fights Tugstot is, you know, who can he fight next at 126? At because mm-hmm. like Josh Warrington, he's poised to fight as Chris Stevenson. Carl Frampton, you know, he he's moved up to one thirty and he's probably gonna fight Mel Herring. So even if Gary Russell moves up, there's not really that option for him of, mm-hmm. of who he could fight left just because PBC doesn't have a lot on that side of the street. So it, it's gonna get to the point if they can't get Leo Santa Cruz to Javante Davis, and right now they're a weight division apart. I really want to see Gary Ross on Leo Santa Cruz.
0: Well, uh, Santa Cruz didn't have the best performance in his last fight. No. He said that post fight, maybe, uh, he said he was doing with some kind of uh, sickness, but yeah, yeah that, that'd be a great fight too. The fastest hands in all that uh, boxing. Different.
1: Yeah. Against one of the, you know, the highest volume punchers in the sport.
0: Right, can't go I,
1: wrong there. Yeah, yeah, and I think Leo Santa Cruz can probably still make one twenty-six. I think one thirty was wasn't necessarily it wasn't out of necessity. It was kind of a test run to see what it could do with the weight. I'd like mm-hmm. to see him drop back down because um, I don't know what else he's going to have at one thirty because I you know I don't know how long he can wait on Javante Davis to drop back down and wait. And most of his best competition is on ESPN in the zone, so. You know, why not drop down to 126 and make that super fight with, with Gary Russell? I know they're talking about they want to do Davis and Santa Cruz on pay per view at some point in 2020, but I'd rather see Santa Cruz and Russell. I, I think it's a much better matchup for Santa Cruz. I, I think Javante Davis is way too big for him. I don't like that matchup at all for him. Um, do you
0: think Gamboa has maybe the size advantage against Davis? I,
1: he does. It's just a matter of how much he has left. I mean, you know, he's only mm-hmm. won twice. Um, it, I don't know if he's alive, though. That's the problem. Um, I, I think this fight would have been so much better, you know, two, three years ago. I, yes. I guess realistically, two years ago, when Javante Davis, you know, first won a title, he—he, um, he, I don't even know if he has a speed advantage at this point. You know, Javante Davis, he's just, you know, he's known for his power, but his skills are underrated. His speed is underrated. Right. Um, I, it, it's going to be interesting to see what Gamble can bring bring to the table to make this a competitive fight.
0: And there's another interesting uh, light heavyweight fight between Jean Pascal and Babu Jack. Yeah. I, I like Jack in that fight, but how do you, how do you think it's going to
1: go? I, I always like Babu Jack. You know what? I, I like Babu Jack against Marcus Brown, and, and you know Marcus Brown right. really proved this wrong. Um, I think most people liked Marcus Brown against Jean Pascal, and those two knockdowns just really bailed him out right? and, and, and won it for him. So it, but even if the fight didn't end when it did, you kind of got the sense that Pascal was going to take over. Um, it, it, it's weird, like a year ago I was like, oh, but dude, Jack, what, You know, what, what is he going to do with the Jean Pascal, that does nothing for his career but right now it, it's probably a 50-50 fight and it's it's a shame, it, this card there's so much going on in that Atlantic card there's a really great prospect fight between um, Malik Hawkins and Darwin Price I got mm-hmm. told maybe one of the promotions, I think that fight and Jack Pascal, those are like the real attractions, I know the stars are going to come out to see Javante Davis, but those are two, the two fights that going to make people want to get there early and really tune in um, I, I want to see, you know, it, it's very interesting to see how Badou Jack comes, you know, comes back from that loss to, to Marcus Brown. You know, it's you know, the hellacious cut that he suffered, he, he insists that it wasn't big, that it looked a lot worse than it felt, but it's just a lot to come back from. So um, it, I guess against uh, a uh, rejuvenated Jean Pascal, it's, you know, it's, it's a very really interesting fight. fight. It's yeah. a very interesting fight, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So can I just get your picks
1: really quick? On uh, that fight? Um, um, I'm just uh, going to run through them. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, whatever you want to
0: do. Uh, so first, uh, Jacobs, first
1: Chavez uh, Jr. I'm going to go with Jacobs by a, not necessarily a knockout, but like a late frustration type stoppage. I think Chavez is just going to get fed up, similar to what happened against Andre um, Andre Fanfaro. Uh, Andrew Fanfaro, excuse me. And then um, yeah, I, I think the fight's going to end around 9 or 10 rounds.
0: And um, how do you see the fight uh, Maurice Hooker
1: versus Uriel Perez go? Um, I don't know enough about Perez, but I mm-hmm. just, I, yeah, I like Perez. the effect that, has, that Bonac has on, you know, like especially what he's doing in the Mel herring. I think we're going to see a more aggressive version of uh, Maurice Hooker, even than, you know, when he fought like uh, Nicolas Lespierre earlier this year. So I, I, I'm going to, I like Hooker to go in there and go for that knockout, especially with those four extra pounds on him. I think there's going to be a, a little bit more uh, pop in his punches. Of-
0: he needs to make a statement after his uh, last fight.
1: Yeah, he knows it too, and I, I, I think we'll see that.
0: And then, uh, how do you see uh, Daniel Dubois uh, f- uh, performing against uh, Kirito Fujimoto?
1: I, I think his fight with Nathan Gorman was, you know, the one fight. Where it's like, okay, let's see what he can do. This is a perfect showcase performance. for Daniel mm-hmm. Dubois, I fully expect him to just run, run through as well. Early knockout. Uh, I, even if it's not early, it's going to be one-sided for however long it lasts, but uh, yeah, early to mid, not, mid-round mid knockout, I'll be fair. And then uh,
0: Tony Harris versus General
1: Charlo. Before I make that pick, one fight I do find interesting on that the Bois card, though, is Liam yeah, Williams yeah, yeah, and yeah. Alantes Fox. Yeah. Uh, wow. Is that an undercard fight? It's a middleweight fight, yeah. The winner is going to be poised to fight for a middleweight title in uh, 2020. Liam Williams is on a nice little streak. Alantez Fox is a six-fight middleweight who just you no, know, stylistically is a nightmare for anyone. So I just wanted to throw that prediction in there. Um, I, I'm going to roll with my boy Fox. I think he's going to pull off an upset decision.
0: Tony Harrison?
1: I, I'm going to go with Tony by, Harrison. Uh, decision. By a split decision? I, I mean, I don't like predicting split. I'm only one person, so I'm, right. you know, on my scorecard, I think you know I'm expecting to have Tony Harrison win by the end of the night. Um, how,
0: um, and then separate from this, I guess, how, how good do you think uh, Calum Smith is?
1: He's he's arguably the best super middleweight in the world, but it's it, it's a toss-up right now. I don't think he has any more of an argument to that claim than does David Benavides, than does Caleb Plant, um, or Billy Joe Saunders. Uh, I, 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 I want to see him in a big fight. If, if Billy Joe Saunders lands the Canelo Alvarez fight, you know, Caleb's going to have to crush Eddie. You know, maybe, you know, how do you convince Gennady Golovkin to move up and wait? Um, can you attract a Caleb Plant to come over, or are you willing to go over to the PBC side and, and fight a Caleb Plant or a David Benavides? Um, right, he, he needs a big fight. I mean, he, you know, he had he did fantastic in the World Boxing Super Series. You know, the way he knocked out George Groves, he's just mm-hmm. had no momentum since then. Now, and a lot of people thought he lost to John Ryder. Right. I don't understand. I don't understand why they're not rematching again. I mean, I know Joe Gallagher. I don't think is, Smith
0: would want that rematch.
1: I don't think Joe Gallagher wants it very much either, but it, it, to me, that's the right thing to do. I want to see.
0: Yeah, Ryder deserves him.
1: Yeah, even if he doesn't get him, I want to see Ryder You know, in the mix. If, if he doesn't get that rematch, he should get a title shot in 2020. Right. So, um, yeah, Campbell Smith has a little bit to prove in 2020.
0: Definitely. Um, and then how do you see, you see. You like Davis against Gambo,
1: right? I, I like him big time. I think he's going to stop him probably around six rounds. I don't think it'd be. I'd be very impressed if he blows through him in two or three rounds.
0: And then, uh, about Jean Pascal versus Babu Jack.
1: Man, um, so pick him. It, it is. I'm going to go with Jack by decision. Um, there's no way I expect Jack to knock out Jean Pascal. Jean it Pascal just might
0: be a little craftier. Fred.
1: Yeah. I mean, the only person to really drag it out of Pascal was, uh, Sergey Kobola. Then, right. the rematch. Uh, you know, you're just not going to put that kind of hurt on him. I, I, Pascal, he just showed it you know, a few months ago. He, he's still dangerous. Um, I, I'm going to go with Jack by decision. Jack has a lot of bad luck to win the card. So it's, you know, the number of draws he has, he you know, rarely wins a unanimous decisions. So he's really going to have to outbox Pascal thoroughly to get a decision. Um, I, I think he'll get it though. All
0: right. Um, any chance Chocolatino makes a comeback? He has a fight coming up.
1: He's fighting, yeah, December twenty-third, and um, it, he wants to fight for a title. I think his interest is in Kazuto Ioka. If um, Ikioka gets past Javier Sintrón on, on, on New Year's Eve, you know, they're fighting eight days apart. You know, Chocolatito was co-promoted by Mr. Honda. You know, over in Japan, so that's a fight that easily can be made over there. Um, there's definitely interest in him regaining a title at one hundred and fifteen. So, uh, I want to see how he looks on Monday. You know, it's great to have him back. He, you know, <laughs> for years he was, you know, pound for pound the best fighter in the world. Um, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what he looks like on Monday. I don't know if the opponent's really going to test him that much, but um, you know, maybe that'll be the starting point where he fights. He gets like two or three more of those fights, and then you know, go towards a uh, Ayo or someone else at one fifteen.
0: Yeah, it's harder, I think, in those lower weight divisions to really that, become a big star.
1: And that division is really stacked too. I mean, he mm-hmm. already he has a win over Juan Estrada, but I'm not, I, I can't say you know definitively that he beats him. In 2020, right. You know, so run the Yeah, that there's just there's so much talent at 115. It's it's such an underrated division. It's probably it, it might be my favorite division of boxing. What 115 or right. 122. There's just so much potential. You can mix and match all those guys and get so many great matchups.
0: Definitely. Uh, so who's your uh, pound for best fighter?
1: <sighs> I. I Right now, I have Canelo. I think he, he's earned that right. And when you ask most fighters who's the best in the world, you know, they're going to say Canelo was one of two. Um, I, I don't argue passionately with anyone who has Terrence Crawford number one, who has Vasily Lomachenko number one, Nao Inoue number one. Um, f- for me, it's Canelo just based on everything he's done. That his only loss is to Mayweather. And his resume is unmatched. You know, anyone else on the pound for pound list, maybe with the exception of Pacquiao, but, you know, this is a 40 year old Pacquiao who has some, you know, <laughs> some mileage on him. To me, you know, it's Canelo's title right now. Who do you think's the biggest puncher in boxing? The biggest puncher in boxing. Um, I, I'm sorry, I, I don't even know why I'm thinking of that. I was gonna, you know, try to come up with a case for Javante Davis, but it, you know, it, it's literally and physically, Deontay Wilder. Yeah, his, guess... his ability to end a end, end a fight with with a single right hand is just—it's it, unmatched, arguably in heavyweight history. I don't think there's ever been a heavyweight puncher quite like him.
0: And then outside of
1: Wilder, who do you say is the biggest punch? You know, then you go to uh, Javante Davis. He has mm-hmm. that. Uh, he has that claim. Mm-hmm. Um, better, better be as he just, he always, you know, he's not necessarily one punch knockout. stage. Right. He, he just finds a way to ruin you.
0: Mm-hmm. So definitely. Yep. Uh, who do you think is the hardest to hit in boxing?
1: The hardest to hit. Um, oh man, that's such a good question. I I, <laughs> I get so frustrated with defensive fighters. Um, oh man. I, I, don't, I don't even know if I have a good answer for that. Um, and then will check on Crawford, both really hard teams. Crawford, I think he's shown, though. He actually can get tagged, though. So, you know... When he, um,
0: I think that's uh, before he finds his timing that takes a few rounds to kick out.
1: Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I just... Uh, Demetrius Andrade, I think, is... Um, Right. And Billy fight. Joe Saunders, too. Very crafty. His, his last fight, he showed he can't get hit. But yeah, when he doesn't right. want to True. get hit, you know, Billy Joe Saunders is a problem for any uh, and he middleweight or a super middleweight. Um, the reason I'm thinking about Andre, because his next fight with Luke Keeler should really show his his defensive abilities. I think mm-hmm. it, it, that's going to be a, a statistical mismatch in terms of, of CompuBox numbers. I think Andre is going to tag Keeler at will. And I, I don't even know if Keeler's going to hit him more than five times in any given round. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, we'll have to watch out for that fight. Yeah, then. definitely. <laughs> um, where do you see boxing
1: going in the next five years? Um, I, I, it's definitely richer than it's ever been. I'm not sure it's attracting more fans. Um, I, I, I want to see it get through 2020. I think the business model is a little bit broken. Um, you know, yeah. fans are treated to so many fights, but it's it's not quality fights every single week. We had a lot of great fights this year but so many of them just got lost in shuffle because there's so much boxing. You know, some will even on there's been too much boxing. So we really need to find a way to um, really make an event feel special. I feel like that got away from us in 2019 that we had so many great fights that maybe we took a lot of them for granted. A lot of them weren't promoted properly. So we need to find a way to really get behind the big event. And I think that's going to help out guys like Terrence Crawford like, Demetrius Sandra you know, the guys that want the big fights, you know, that they're going to be able to come in one demand because we're going to, you know, return to that, you know, that big fight night feel. I think that's kind of been missing a little bit in 2019.
0: Um, will there be a time where uh, we unify the titles or do you think just the business of boxing will maybe stop some matchups from happening?
1: Um, that—that's. I mean, we've gotten some unification bouts in 2019. Uh, it, it just has to be. Well, you know, it has to be a case. You know, the promoters keep saying they work for the fighter. Well, you know, we need to prove that. Fighters need to demand, you know, demand these fights. You know, if Errol Spence and Terence Crawford want to fight, they need to go tell their bosses to make this fight happen. It's—it's it's really that simple. So, and you know, the same thing. You know, at heavy, I think heavyweight will really set the trend. You know, if we can get the heavyweight, you know, division fully unified, you know, uh, one, mm-hmm. one undisputed champion heavyweight, right. that's really gonna. Pay the way for the rest of the sport because we're getting it in some of the lower weight classes. It's just not gaining enough. Because traction.
0: wasn't the last a unified champ uh, Usyk?
1: Across uh, the yeah. Was there yeah. someone more recent? Uh, for so. all four belts, well, on the female side, you have Clarissa Shields, right? You know, Shields, Katie yeah. Taylor, you know Katie yeah. Taylor as well. So. Katie
0: Taylor actually uh, in her recent
1: fight, uh, you know, Christina you know, lost himself. that decision. Oh, you're talking about against Delphine Persoon? Yeah, uh so. Um it, it was uh, some people thought she lost. I, I had her winning six four um, right. a lot of people so thought it so should have been sure. It, so it was a, a close tough fight. fight. Yeah. Um yeah. I I'm a little biased with Katie Taylor. I think she's just yeah, I love I, I love, I love what she yeah, well she's a great ambassador of sports, so I really love what she mm-hmm. brings. You know, even her last fight with Lenada too, it wasn't even the fights, you know, the people that came over from Ireland to be at the fights. There's a number of young girls that, you know, just look it up to her, you know. Teenage girls that you know wanted to be at a fight just because Katie Taylor was in the main event. I mean, I think that's both about. You know, you talk about growing the sport, there's an untapped uh, fan base. Right.
0: Yeah. Women's boxing can definitely become bigger in the years to come.
1: Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. Um, and then, um, how? What do you think I can learn from? Uh, I guess like the UFC and MMA perhaps not to grow the
1: sport? You know, that model has been there for so long. I don't know if it's, you know, I I don't know if boxing wants to, you know, Dana White keeps teasing that he's going to come over to boxing and and show us how it's done. And, you know, he's been saying it for at least two years. It hasn't happened yet. Um, Well,
0: I think one of the frustrating parts of the sport of boxing, one is how it's scored that, you know, obviously the scoring on the judge's scorecard is always going to be a a flawed system. And then beyond that, um, you know, there, there's not one guy you can say is for sure the best in in one weight class, whereas in the UFC or in these other you know MMA promotions, they'll have one one champ, you know, in in one weight class, and I think that that's kind of easier for fans to follow because there's a lot of names in boxing, a lot of guys that maybe fans don't know about that are still great fighters, but because of the, the business
1: of boxing, they're just not that popular. Yeah, exactly. And then we try to, you know, make that argument that, you know, if, you know, what if PBC ran the sport? What if Eddie Hearn ran the sport? If we had that one promoter, like, you know, UFC has, like, you know, UFC has that control, to, you know, they they can mix and match all their guys because they have all the talent. So um, the problem with boxing, yeah. you know, it seems like every time someone has most of the power of boxing, they tend to abuse it. We don't mm-hmm. get the matchups we want. And it just, it, it always goes back to the same. So it just, i'd rather see greater cooperation I, I think the promoters are starting to feel it because like you know events in the united states just have not been selling well in 2019 you know i think that
0: actually the uk boxing is bigger
1: than the us yeah it is i mean bob Arum is already talking about bringing a lot of fights overseas in, in right. 2020 so i
0: and then what I, were your thoughts about having uh the joshua rematch in saudi
1: arabia that was Eddie Hearn's choice. I, I mean, I didn't <laughs> love it. Um, it, the thing I said too is like, if the fight was in Cardiff, Wales, where I thought it, you know, it should have been, you know, it couldn't have been in London because of the cold weather that time of year. But I thought the fight was a perfect fit for Cardiff, and um, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I would have been, you know, willing to travel to that. You know, just going to Saudi Arabia was just. It, you know, I I don't know. It just kind of took away from the the big fight. And I feel watching it was a great spectacle on TV, but it didn't feel like a genuine heavyweight championship. And maybe that's just us being stubborn. Maybe we're just used to seeing those big events on Mm pay-per-view, you know, or on linear TV. So maybe, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, the old guard getting used to the way things are going to be. But, um, You know, everyone made a a ton of money out of that. So, you know, Andy Ruiz was happy with the contract that he signed to to get that fight. So, you
0: know,
1: (laughs) you can't argue with that. You know, if those guys are going to make money, then, you know, that's, you know, they're they're the ones fighting.
0: right. And then, what do you... One sec. Oh, sir, um, sorry. How do you think uh, DeZan has kind of changed the business model for boxing?
1: It's changed a lot. I mean, he, it's it's changed in the sense of uh, Eddie Hearn just, you know, kind of going after people, even the guys he's not signing, you know, forget, they're seeing what's on the table and then they're going back to their bosses and, you know, saying, okay, well, this pile of money is over there. What are you going to do? We saw it with Deontay Wilder, you know, he, he was made that ridiculous over at the Zone. He didn't really, you know, like the... Um, feel of it so he he wanted to stay where he is but you know he he just made more money this year than he ever would have if you know if that level of competition wasn't around right Right. so um but you wonder how long the money's going to be there you know if the zone's just not going to keep averaging money and not getting enough back you know i i don't i think canelo still is the only one that's really you know outdrawing what he you know what he's paid but, right and it's everyone else. mean these guys yes.
0: to the huge contracts
1: yeah exactly i mean they didn't have to pay as much for the the you know you're talking about bringing the fight to Saudi Arabia they didn't have to pay as much for Joshua Ruiz because it was over there as opposed to doing the fight you know prime time in the united states so you know whatever subscriptions they got from that maybe they made some money but they they can't be making money overall i mean they probably spent more than 200 million dollars already in, in the first you know was 16 months 14 months they've been around there's no way they got that back so you know once billionaires start becoming millionaires and the, you know things tend to change in right. You know, nobody's in this bus you know a lot of people lose money in this business but nobody mm-hmm. wants to and once they start losing money they're going to say okay what can we do to fix it so um i don't know how much longer the zone to keep you know making these lucrative offers to bring you know the top talent over there so it's been more than a year and um
0: well also i think they've done a, a good job of you know bringing fighters over like uh, the Maurice Hooker fight uh-huh. they, they did that one on the
1: yeah they did and again though, i mean they paid way beyond you know they, they were willing to pay far more than what top rank is willing to put up to, to put that fight on the espn um i, I see uh, but it takes cooperation like that i like the fact that that Eddie and Bob got together for Lomachenko and Luke Campbell. It wasn't really the match I was looking for. Right, that fight too. Yeah, but they sent Lomachenko over to England and let Eddie promote the event, but they put it on ESPN and it was on Sky Sports in in the UK. So that's, you know, know, if it takes those compromises to make those fights happen, then that's, you know, by all means, let's do it. So um, the zone, it's having a positive uh, impact in that sense. Um, My problem is the guys who were turning down the offers were not really seeing their careers take off in the process so um
0: yeah i think definitely the pbc could do a lot to improve
1: yeah well it's fine. the pbc was in that position a few years ago when you know they had this big model they were right. trying to they, attract they all the attention you know, at, and they've done good in creating interest in divisions like they have enough welterweight, the welterweight division definitely. yeah none of them need to fight terence Crawford. but they have enough stock <laughs> at featherweight at one well they should fight him <laughs> Yeah, it's super middleweight. So, um, you mm-hmm. know, they're doing good, right. you know, a good job there. But again, they're going to eventually run out of relevant matchups to where the fans are going to want to stay engaged. So, like, like I said, I just can't keep going back enough to the point that it, it's going to take cooperation across the board. You know, even if we have all these different entities, you know, it, it's going to be the time to start mi- mixing and matching in 2020.
0: Right. Hopefully we see more of that in the years to come. Matt, what do you think about uh, HBO's exit from sports?
1: It was sad. I had so many friends over at HBO. Um, I still keep in touch with them. Um, it, it's a shame. I think that's kind of hurt boxing's popularity, too. I think, especially with these events with Canelo, and more so uh, Triple G, because his events just kind of fallen way off the radar without the HBO's involvement, and you just mm-hmm. really appreciated what they were able to do to get behind a, a big event. Um, it, it's sad, because... you know most of us, 24-7 mm-hmm. yeah,
0: content I mean, like
1: that. Yeah, I'm 48 years old, and most of my fondest boxing memories were on HBO. So, I mean, for right, you know, right, kids right. your age, I mean, I'm sure you guys, you know, literally grew up on HBO boxing. Yeah, exactly. So, right. it's um, the sport. And the thing, too, it's funny. It's like when HBO disappeared, you expect Showtime to step up, and they didn't. And then The Zone wasn't ready because they were so brand new. When HBO took over boxing in the 90s, they were already an established entity. They just, you know, they just were able to cut more into the boxing business. But they were already a, a massive entertainment conglomerate. The zone just doesn't carry that reputation in the United States. So that's kinda of why boxing, you know, it, it wasn't a direct replacement. Showtime didn't have the year it had, you know, Fox is trying as hard as anyone. Um they're, they're having good ratings, but not they're not really in a position to carry the sport. So we're still right. missing we're still missing that entity that can kind of pick up the mantle that HBO carried, you know, for for decades. That that's a massive loss. That's you know, that's like when Floyd was hired. Nobody's really ready to step up for the, you know, pound for pound and you know, for as much money as his events are able to generate. So that's, you know, two significant parts of the sport that we're still missing right now.
0: Uh, Do you think Floyd Mayweather will actually make a comeback?
1: I've said this on all the shows. We will see Floyd Mayweather in some capacity in 2020. I'm not sure it's going to be in a sanctioned boxing match, and I don't expect to see a Pacquiao rematch either. Um, He's already talking about doing this world tour. I think we're going to see him in a lot of exhibition matches where he could just make a lot of money and not take any risk or, you know, just have to get licensed to play it anyway. He's, you know, he's 42 years old. He's loving life. The guy's a billionaire. Um, I, I don't see any reason why he would want to come back to, to the sport at this day and age. Right, right. Um. So, yeah, and I'm just looking up. I got about maybe six more minutes, so...
0: Yeah.
1: Oh, sorry. Um, no, you're fine. <laughs> I just realized that. Nah.
0: <laughs> do, you, do you like either of the Charles to move up to either face Glomkin or Canelo, and then also a Jaime Munguia against Canelo or Glomkin would, would both be a pretty big fight?
1: The weird thing with the Munguia is that... um. He's supposed to be fighting Demetrius Andrade next year. He moved up to one sixty with the specific intention to challenge and for that WBO title, which is weird because I his style I think is a disaster for um <laughs> for Andrade. I, I would rather see him just kinda hover around one sixty, wait for Canelo to drop back down and wait. Mm-hmm. And that's a super fight I, I'd like to see him take. Um right. the Charlos, um they, like I said, Jamal Charlo, I think his path is um is 22. Chris uh, Eubank Jr.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, he's gonna That'd fight Chris Eubank Jr. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
1: um, I, I don't know if why. We don't really know uh, yeah. Jamal until. You yeah, know, yeah. There's, there's no way I'm going to predict this it's 2020. So, yeah, exactly. Right. I, I think either way, though, even if Jamal Charlo loses, even if it's by another decision, he's probably going to think he won and maybe, you know, will be a case where he should win and he loses again. I think no matter what happens, short of him getting knocked out cold, I, you know, I think Jamal Charlo is going to have a pretty big 2020 himself. You know, the PBC, you know, 154 is another division where they're invested heavily. So he, he, he's going to find plenty of work no matter what happens this weekend. Um, if he wins, so obviously, you know, his, his asking price goes way up and he becomes the, the star of the division. Um, so, you know, his path would then be, you know, Julian Williams for, uh, you know, a, a unification fight sometime in 2020. Um, I, I think his work is going to stay at 154 and I think tomorrow will stay at 160. Um, do you
0: think Goulton Errol Aerosmith Jr. against Terrence Crawford?
1: Uh, it's funny right now, the question everyone's asking is, will we see Errol Spence, <laughs> Right after <his laughs> which, which I do believe we will. I think a lot of people are, you know, they're misinterpreting his, his desire to stay out of the media. I think, you know, what happened in October was, you know, uh, a humbling lesson to him. And I think he's trying to enjoy his privacy as much as possible. People want more. I, I think it's unfair. Just, you know, let the man be when he's ready to return, he will. Um, when he does return, if he doesn't get a tune-up right out the gate, I expect him to fight someone like a Danny Garcia or really any welterweight who doesn't wind up fighting Manny Pacquiao. In the first half of 2020, um, I think Spence's goal in 2020 is to get to a Manny Pacquiao fight where they can unify as many titles as possible on the PBC side.
0: Did you think Pacquiao won his last fight
1: against Keith Thurman? Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah, absolutely. It was close. It was a very close fight. Um, Keith Thurman made it interesting. You know, he didn't do himself any favors by getting think, knocked down early.
0: Yeah, I think Thurman just got off to too slow of a start.
1: He did, and I think he'll admit that as well. Right. So,
0: yeah, but great to see the matchup.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Uh, well, thanks so much for joining me. Oh yeah, absolutely. And um, for my listeners, you can check out uh, Jake's work on boxing scene. Yep.
1: Uh, anything else? Uh, Yeah, on Twitter, just at Jake in the Box, J-A-K-E-N-D-I-E-B-O-X.
0: All right, well, uh, thanks for joining me, and uh, maybe we can do this again
1: in a few months or something. Yeah, anytime you want, Jason. Really appreciate this, interview.
0: All right, well, great talking to you, and uh, have a great day, and uh, enjoy the fights this weekend. Absolutely,
1: enjoy the fights as well, and have a happy holidays. All right, happy holidays to you. Thank you. you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Believe.